and welcome back to another edition of Outside the Shoe. This is Meredith Hine, and I'm excited to be joined by our favorite hockey expert, Jeff Hammersley, who's here to help us all cool off from this blistering heat by talking about what's happening on the ice. Jeff, how's it going? I'm doing great, Meredith. Happy to be back for another episode. Great. This past season was a good one for the Buckeyes, who finished with a 20-11-5 record overall, including a 13-7-4 slate in the Big Ten. Ohio State also earned a bid to the NCAA tournament, where the Buckeyes made it to the West Regional before falling to Denver. What impressed you about last season, Jeff? Yeah, Meredith, there was a bunch of things that I was impressed with from last season's Ohio State men's hockey squad. I'm just going to talk about three of them. Uh, the big one being their ability to string confidence and wins together down the stretch. Uh, that middle part back into the season, a seven-game win streak that the Buckeyes had, and they were beating some pretty good teams. They had Michigan they beat to start off the win streak at home, a 4-2 win on January 12th. Then they had four monumental wins against top 15 programs. They had two straight wins on the road at a number 13 Penn State squad, 4-1, then 6-4 victories there. Then against Notre Dame back at home, a 4-2, and then 2-0 win in the grudge match. Uh, to close out that series, and I think that was pretty impressive when you take out a team on the fringe of the top 10 and beat them back-to-back -back at home, especially when you shut them out in one of those contests. And then the two last games of the win streak, a 2-1 win and 4-1 victory on the road against Wisconsin in Madison. But the big reason why these games are a little bit different than those previous five was that these two games were highly attended. 9,555 uh, in the first game, 15,359 in the second game. That second game was the highest attended game the Buckeyes played in all regular season. So being able to go on the road into the Lions' den, or in this case the Badgers' den, and get the victory, I think was very impressive. Also from an individual standpoint, the second thing I was very impressed with was their ability on all levels. They had someone who could play the game of hockey. Tommy Napier uh, was one of the guys I was really impressed with. Big Ten goaltender of the year. Sasha LaRock was the league's defensive player of the year. The Buckeyes as a team gave up 2.31 goals allowed per game. That was an average. And they scored roughly 3.09 goals per game. So they were at least... Uh, just looking at the averages outscoring the opposition, that's a big reason for why they were able to win the Big Ten regular season crown. That was kind of the third thing I'm impressed with. They were able to win the Big Ten outright regular season. They beat Michigan on the road to clinch it at the very back end of their season. With a couple games left, they were able to get that victory in an overtime matchup on the road against the Wolverines, a rival they were able to win and really take home the conference crown right then and there. And actually, I'm going to talk about a fourth thing I was impressed with. And this also goes back a little bit with the individual aspect. Mason Yopst, uh, 36 games played, 17 goals. That was a team leading 17 goals. 19 assists, second only to Tanner Lazenski, who had 20. 36 total points, that was team leading. And I think for Ohio State, I, looking at that, you had a scorer in Yopst. You had defense behind Tommy Napier, Sasha LaRock, a coach in Steve Rolick, who was Big Ten coach of the year, a, a unanimous choice, and really all those things put together a team that was able to win the Big Ten outright regular season title and make it into the NCAA championship, but the problem is when they lost to Denver, you kind of look back at the end of the season, they had lost three straight, Michigan State, Penn State, then Denver in the, the tournament, but all things considered, I think that was an impressive run. 2011-5, when you're taking on a lot of teams that are in the footprint or the shadow of the NHL profile, I think it's really hard. I think the Big Ten, even though not every Big Ten team is included, there is some really stiff competition 
to walk out of that conference and win it. And for the Buckeyes to do that for the regular season, I think that, at least in my eyes, that makes it a very special season. And also for the future, I think next season for the Buckeyes, I think a lot of people will have an eye on them if you follow college hockey. Looking ahead, the Buckeyes will be without last year's leading scorer, Mason Yobst, who signed with the New York Islanders in April. However, Ohio State still has Ronnie Hine and Tanner Lezinski back on the ice next season. How can the Buckeyes improve their scoring offense, which finished fifth in the conference last year, moving forward? Well, losing Yobst's guard really hurt the offense, at least in the early going. He was there. When you lose your leading scorer and point guy, that makes life a little bit harder. But for the Buckeyes, Tanner Lezinski was right behind him in the point totals, 36-30. to 30. Seven less goals, but he had one more assist. Lezinski's going to have to be more of the scorer this time around, which I think he can definitely do, saying that he was able to get a half a 30-point season with just 91 shots. He had 10 of his goals, 91 shots. Yop 17 goals on 127 shots. So the shot percentage is a little bit better for Yops, but he also had more opportunities. But I think Lezinski, if you give him a few more chances, he'll probably get a few more goals. I also think with the Buckeyes, Ronnie Hine, 35 games, 11 goals, 10 assists, 21 points. Those two guys will be, I think, critical factors for Ohio State to try to get back to where they were last season as a Big Ten championship or Big Ten regular season team and even make a run in the championship in the postseason. And I also think a guy like Carson Meyer, he transferred from Miami. He was an entry draft selection by the Blue Jackets. He had success with Miami before transferring to Columbus. Last season, 36 games he played in, 9 goals, 13 assists, 22 points. Notice the trend here. These guys, they're not getting just a few goals. They're getting a lot of goals and a lot of points. And having those guys be that core nucleus, at least for next season, I think is going to be very important if the Buckeyes, or at least for the Buckeyes, to keep kind of the experience of winning when it matters down the stretch, like that seven-game win streak I just mentioned. But also, this is a team that they've had a, that rough three-game stretch to end their season last time around, and they kind of know that kind of experience. I think it's that kind of understanding that you were, you did well in the regular season, but you had a tough, couple tough losses at the end that really ended your season. That's experience for guys who they want to get back next season and win it all. And having those guys who were a part of that and are still here and they live through that, I think it's going to be important motivators when things start getting bad throughout the regular season. And I think offensively, I think that's one of the big issues I think teams have is when if your defense can do, if the defense is okay, you have to still score. But if you can't get any goals on, then everything kind of just falls apart. Hockey is not a, a game where you could just have one or two stars take control. It needs to be a team effort. And I think having that team where there's at least three or four core guys who have been through the best of times and the worst of times, having them next season play at a high level, I think would be very important for Ohio State to keep scoring, but also get back in the position to win the Big Ten regular season and maybe even make a run in the postseason for the, the tournament crown and even make another Frozen Four opportunity appear. So switching gears a little bit here and talking about the big picture, college eligibility is constantly a topic of controversy in football and basketball. Hockey, like baseball and lacrosse to a degree, is different in the fact that players retain their NCAA eligibility even after being drafted. How do you see this benefiting the sport as a whole, and how does it benefit individual players? And how do you see this type of practice being an impetus for changing eligibility standards in other sports? Yeah, first off, I really like the eligibility rules and the whole draft process with the entry draft at the hockey 
on the college level does. I think it takes out a big question mark for a lot of these players. Will I be able to play professionally? And if you're still playing in the college game and an NHL team comes knocking and says, hey, we want to have your draft rights uh, for the near future, I think that takes a big pressure off of you. You could just now just play hockey. I think that's a big reason for why a lot of these players in all, every sport play the sport because it's fun. I think that instills a little bit of the fun factor back in. But also I think it, it benefits individual players. It goes back to knowing the uh, knowing what how the journey is going to go. If you're playing and you're in your senior year, you know you're drafted to either Columbus or some other NHL team. You kind of know what's going to happen next. You know you're going to go to the, the whole maybe the camp. You're going to play with them, see if you can maintain that NHL kind of caliber of play. But I think it's the ability to come back to school and still play the game still work toward a college degree is important because in the NFL, once you hire an agent and declare, you're kind of stuck in no man's land until the draft. And the big issue is what happens if you don't get drafted? Now you're really way out there in uncharted waters, and I don't, I don't really think anybody wants to be there. Uh, transition to that second part of the question where will this change in other sports, kind of how they do the drafting system? I I understand why the the – College football, NFL, the whole hiring an agent kind of uh, dictates the eligibility factor with the amateurism. But I think it would benefit something like football, especially, I think a lot more. I think it would even open up the fandom a little bit more. Let's say Dwayne Haskins would have returned for a senior season, or let's say in an alternate universe, Dwayne Haskins would have been drafted by Washington, but he would have, he would have retained his eligibility and got to come back for another season. Let's say he would have came back for another season at Ohio State. Let's say he wanted to win a national title. I think there would be a lot of Washington fans tuning into Ohio State games trying to figure out is what will our heir apparent look like at the QB position. I think the fandom opens up more, and I think a little bit of certainty of what for some at least for some franchises to know who is going to be the future. I think you also build a profile a little bit better there too, where I think a lot of fans. Uh, only know their player maybe draft day and the, the buzz around draft day and don't really see the whole college picture for them. I think it would help, uh, especially the eye- eyeballs on TV, which translates to eyeballs for advertisers. I think that would be incredibly important for football. Uh, but that's a pipe dream for me. I think it's got to still be the way it is for the foreseeable future. But what hockey's doing, I think it's great. And I think for the college, too. I mean, if I was a coach of a program that had some guys drafted to the NHL, that's a selling point. You can easily say, hey, uh, our, one of our goalies got drafted by the St. Louis Blues. Maybe you've heard of them. They won a Stanley Cup title. Do you want to win a Stanley Cup title? It may come through this program. Uh, it's all part of a journey. And I think knowing how your journey is going to go at least one or two steps forward after where you are right now, I think is very reassuring not only for the player, but I think for the program too. Because everybody kind of knows what's going to happen next. And I think when you look at a team like, especially college football with the, the, the Buckeyes, you're waiting on, especially after the Rose Bowl, you're going, is Hassan's going to stay or go? He declares, okay, how's the QB situation going to go? I think in hockey, they don't really have that problem with the whole drafting rights, go to the NHL team, and they can still play the game of hockey. And I think, I think it's a great system, and I wish more sports would, would have adapted that kind of a format. Jeff, what does it mean for recruiting to have these types of players playing and having success in the NHL? Yeah, I think it's very important, Meredith. And before we started the podcast, we talked about Dakota Joshua signing with the St. Louis Blues on a two-year entry-level contract. That's where I got that St. Louis Blues uh, kind of uh, theoretical question uh, a few minutes ago. But also, Ryan Dezingle, 
a two-year, $6.75 million deal with the Carolina Hurricanes uh, after he came to the Columbus Blue Jackets. So it's very apparent that for Ohio State uh, former players, you can make some serious bank coming through Columbus and going into the NHL. I mean, Dezingle was with, I believe, Ottawa for a little bit. They came to the Blue Jackets last season when they made that run into the postseason. And the success there was able to get them, get him uh, a big payday. I think for Ohio State on the recruiting trail, they would be very wise to use that. You have guys like Dezingle, Joshua, who are now in two very good places right now. If, especially if Joshua maintains uh, a spot on the roster, I think that's got to be huge. Because now you can say one of our former players is now on an, the reigning Stanley Cup champions. And I think in Dezingle's case, you can also say, hey... Uh, he didn't win a Stanley Cup, but he made some serious money. I think you can live off a little over $6 million in a lifetime. And even for that, I think for Ohio State, especially trying to recruit against teams like Miami or even in Indiana that has Notre Dame, I think that could be a big factor going forward. And I think for Ohio State, their recent success can also be parlayed into this too. You can win games. You've won trophies. You've made Frozen 4 appearances. Now you have players in the professional ranks making some serious paydays. All of it is a very good formula for recruiting. Ohio State finished first in the conference standings during the regular season, but fell to Penn State in the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament this year. Who do you see as the team to beat in the Big Ten this upcoming season? I think there are a few teams to watch out for this season in the Big Ten. Uh, looking at what happened last season, the Buckeyes, when they won the Big Ten, right behind them, you had Notre Dame, Minnesota, Michigan, all relatively close. And I think those three teams are teams I would be uh, <laughs> kind of concerned about, uh, even Penn State as well. Last season, Ohio State was one of the two Big Ten uh, conference teams to get their ticket punched into the NCAA tournament uh, for men's ice hockey, and they got bounced right off the bat in the regional semifinals. Notre Dame went to the to the regional finals before they lost to Massachusetts. However, Massachusetts went all the way to the championship game before losing to Minnesota Duluth. I think Notre Dame is definitely a team to be on the watch out for. If there was, if you had to rank them, that's the team I'd be certainly on the lookout uh, leading off. And I think for Ohio State losing Yopst and a couple other core offensive pieces, I think that's going to put a little bit of pressure on the Buckeyes to perform, especially in the Big Ten games as they try to make Lazinski and other offensive guys their go-to. But I think Notre Dame definitely is a team. And I think everybody, as I just mentioned, Minnesota, who didn't make it into the NCAA tournament, may be hungry to get back in, uh, a team that was just on the outside looking in. Michigan has uh, not a great season last year, but they have that ability to make a run uh, we know Michigan hockey is a is a relatively good program, so I would not expect them to fall apart. I expect them to be right back in the thick of things. As you mentioned before, uh, the NHL has a shadow over a lot of the teams in the conference, and I think a lot of those players, they coded these teams because they grew up nearby watching uh, certain teams around them in the professional ranks do well. I think looking at Notre Dame, who they were in the Frozen Four back in 2017, Ohio State was there in 2018, and 2019, none of the teams were there. I think for the Big Ten, someone is going to step up. I think a team like Minnesota, who just missed it, a team like Notre Dame, who has recently been there, as well as the Buckeyes and the Wolverines, I think it's those are the four teams I would keep an eye on as they try to knock each other off the top of the mountain for the Big Ten. I think Notre Dame is the absolute team if it wasn't Ohio State to, uh, to keep an eye on in the Big Ten hockey season. 
Like lacrosse, hockey has a different sort of conference structure from the familiar 14 teams we see in football and basketball. Most Big Ten schools do not have a hockey team, and while Notre Dame competes in the Big Ten on the ice, there are still just seven teams in the conference. Jeff, does the lack of traditional conference foes limit the sport's popularity, and do you see opportunity for expansion in the future? Yeah, that's actually a really good question, Meredith. I think it's more geographically, and in this case, a localized, uh, maybe a hindrance on the popularity. When schools like Maryland or Purdue or Indiana, uh, Northwestern, they don't have a hockey program, can't really add all the Big Ten teams into it. And I think to have that tradition, rivalries are not born overnight, and I think they take a lot of time to get to the point where it's like, whoa, this is a very big event. Uh, just looking at Ohio State-Michigan football, I mean, that was not a rivalry that became an overnight fierce kind of competition between two schools over the course of a year or two. That took a 10-year war between Woody and Bo, where Big Ten title, Rose Bowl, and even national championship opportunities were won and went up in smoke uh, for the loser in those contests. And I think on the hockey level, you have a regular season title that's duked out between a few teams in the, the conference tournament. It takes time for a rivalry to take hold. I think if you had five, six years where Ohio State and Notre Dame were trading regular season conference titles, head-to-head matchups in the regular season, and maybe even a Frozen Four appearance, that takes time. That's not doesn't happen in a year. It may take 10 or 15, even 20. And I think for more Big Ten teams, I think it would help create the tradition where everybody would beat up on each other and kind of have that kind of just the essence of sport. But it's a thing where it becomes the practicality of it. I think for some teams and for some schools, hockey costs a lot of money. You have to have the ice. You have to keep it cold. Uh, you need to have the scholarships. And I think for some institutions, that's a place where they look at the numbers, probably looked at the numbers and said, we can't turn a profit on this. I think for a place like Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, those are schools where they have such a huge football following that the football program can kind of carry the other sports to a degree. Uh, especially between football and basketball, that's a lot of money in the bank that you can use for other sports. Uh, going to your other part of the question, maybe expansion in the future, I think it depends. I think if hockey became a lot more popular uh, in the American conscience, I think that would really help. I think when we look at the major four sports we have in America, football, basketball, MLB, baseball, and NHL hockey, you can make a case that hockey is is either in third or fourth place amongst those four. I personally think NHL hockey, especially when we we are in the Stanley Cup playoffs, is some of the most uh, entertaining to watch. There's so many games happening, so many teams, and especially as we get closer to the Stanley Cup final, I think it just gets funner as we get closer to the the championship uh, being raised and the trophy being raised uh, and the kind of just the fanfare around it. But hopefully, I, I would love to see in a perfect world, maybe even in a different universe, where every Big Ten program has a hockey team and hockey is a lot more popular. I know when I was a student, whether I was a, uh, in the band, in the athletic band playing or covering a game or just a fan in general, going to hockey games were always fun. And it didn't matter if it was the men's hockey or at the, the women's hockey uh, at the ice rink next to the French Field House, or even the Blue Jackets hockey games, where I covered uh, as a member of the media, press, and even as a, just went as a fan on a bunch of occasions, I never had a bad time at any of those games, whether it be men's hockey, women's hockey at Ohio State, or professional. They were always fun. And I think it's not a fun factor that causes the popularity to go down 
or anything like that. I think it's just there's so many things competing for attention. I think it just gets lost in all the noise, and it's unfortunate. I hope at some point it takes off a lot more, especially with the recent success Ohio State has had, the Blue Jackets have had making the playoffs last season as well. I think hockey may take off even more in Columbus, and you can only hope it takes off more in a place maybe around Bloomington, Indiana, or West Lafayette, Indiana, where those two Big Ten teams that reside there say, hey, maybe we have to look into hockey. But only time will tell. Uh, but right now, an Ohio State hockey team with the, the conference they have right now is, I think, decent for what you have. And I think we see teams like Penn State popping up, Notre Dame getting their hockey team. Arizona State had a, got their own team up and running not too long ago, too. I think it is the popularity is increasing. As, and again, only time will tell. And there you have it. Hopefully all of this hockey talk cooled you off a bit. That's what we've got for you on today's edition of Outside the Shoe. Again, we're joined today by Jeff Hammersley and I'm Meredith Hine. We'll see you next week.